It's time now for all the news you don't need to know. Three people you never met from a town you've never been to were killed in a way that I can use to manipulate your emotions and control your political opinions. Although a far larger number of people were killed in a car accident on the same day, I can't use car accidents to give the impression that America is racist or manipulate you into giving up your Second Amendment rights or spur you into calling for attacks on a foreign country, which I'll later condemn. So instead, I'll put on a make-believe serious face and possibly even choke up as if I were a gay man on CNN in order to give the impression that I give a rat's caboose about these three dead people I never met who don't mean a thing to me. I hope that that will gull you into thinking this relatively rare event is indicative of something that will make you vote for Democrats because that's how I choose which deaths to report. My hopes and prayers are with my Aunt Sally. She's been a little under the weather, and I actually care about her. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is zippity-zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. All right, we are here on the very brink of the darkness that has come to be known as the Clavenless Weekend, and yet we soldier on, uh, believing that we can still survive for at least another 45 minutes. Also, Owen Benjamin, a comedian who has been banned everywhere else, is here because he has nowhere else to go, right? I mean, this is the only place we'll, we'll let him in. So we'll be talking to him right here in our studio. And I have another question I want to ask you, and you don't have to be a subscriber to answer this time. I will ask the question. You can write in your answers to aclavin at dailywire.com. And I know what you're thinking. How do you spell Clavin? It's A-K-L-A-V-A-N at dailywire.com. No ease in Clavin. I will ask the question as we move on. And I do want to hear from you. I really do. And we'll read the answers next week. Meanwhile, you want to get some movement sunglasses so that when you're walking around, you can see where you're going. You know, they made movement. Uh, the same guys who made these great watches that I have, I, and I have a bunch of them actually, actually and uh, they on the same principle, they went to the same principle to make sunglasses. They were thinking the same thing, that you don't want to spend a gazillion dollars on sunglasses, but you don't want to get those cheap things that you get in the pharmacy and then you feel stupid because you look like an idiot, right? So they have done the exact same thing they did with the watches. With the watches, they put out these very beautiful, stylish watches, but they kept them down, kept their prices down. So you're getting values of like four and $500 for like 95 bucks at Movement. And remember, Movement is spelled without vowels because that's how they keep their prices down, by leaving out the vowels. It's M V. M-T. Sunglasses, same thing. Now, I got a pair for my daughter because I have to wear prescription sunglasses, but I got a pair for my daughter. She loved them. She wrote me this very day telling me how much she enjoyed them, uh, th- that they looked really good and they fit really well and they come with a great case that she also likes. So these are, seriously, the, these will become your go-to shades. They're high-quality, premium acetate frames, no cheap plastic. You got to see them. You can go online and take a look at them. They have lots of styles to choose from. Classic, trendy, round, aviator, mirrored, polarized, polarized for boys or girls, you're sure to find the perfect pair. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash Andrew. Put the vowels in Andrew, not in movement. It's You know it's MVMT. They revolutionized the watch industry now. They're coming after sunglasses. Go to mvmt.com slash Andrew and join the... You can't pronounce it. There are no vowels in it. But 
It's much cheaper. It's much cheaper without valves. So I have gotten a an extraordinary number of letters and comments and emails and various forms of communications. And the interview we did on Tuesday with Father Michael Schmitz. And the almost all of the letters went the same way. I, at the end of the interview, I was discussing with Father Michael, who has written a book about gay, uh, the, the church's attitude toward gay people. And basically that they shouldn't and don't. And uh, no, but they but it's a loving it's a loving you know attitude and a, an acceptance of what he calls same sex attraction. Uh, but saying that this is not your identity and uh, this is not a, a sexual relationship that uh, the church can approve of. And he explained why. And when I asked him on on his own, you know, they're basically making Aristotelian Thomist arguments, Thomist meaning from Thomas Aquinas, the arguments being that things are for something, they should be used for that thing, that is where their virtue lies, and that sex was made for procreation and therefore, and for uh, binding people together in love, but it should never be used outside, it should never be used in a way that is antagonistic to procreation. I think that would be a fair way to say it. And my question for him was, well, why can't its central role as, uh, for, as, as being for procreation, why can't that be subsumed into a secondary role of being to cement loving relationships between gay people once you eliminate all the other things that are destructive, like uh, promiscuity and betrayal and, uh, you know, mistreating people and use the use of force and, you know, uh, attacking people uh, who can't make up their mind, who can't make a fair decision, like young people. Why can't it be used just to cement a a loving, um, committed gay relationship? All the letters that I've gotten basically feel that Father Michael did not come up with a good answer. I didn't feel that his answer was convincing because I feel that I'm not sure there is an answer. But all the people who wrote to me said, no, here's the argument. Here is the good argument. None of them, as far as I was concerned, and I don't mean this offensively, none of them uh, made arguments that convinced me. They, many of them, many people wrote in in great goodwill, without hostility, without meanness, without hatred. Many people wrote in, but their arguments were excellent arguments for why the heterosexual procreative relationship should be at the center of human life. And of course it is, because without it, there is no human life, right? I mean, every every gay person could go away and there still be human life, but if without that central relationship of a man and woman bringing a child into the world, that is at the center of human life. My question has always been, why can't things that aren't at the center, why do we immediately have to say that they're evil or sinful or bad? And some people just quoted the Bible and some people had other arguments they made. I didn't find any of them convincing. Some of the people who wrote in uh, were not, writing in with goodwill. These were the minority of people, but their arguments were um, were basically, you know, you call yourself a Christian? You know, how can you call yourself a Christian and allow, you know, and, and my feeling about that is I call myself a Christian because I follow the risen Christ. This has changed my life entirely. It has given me, you know, I've been, I was baptized, I think it's like 14, 13, 14 years ago. Uh, I, this this many years later, I find that within me there is a stillness and peace that I would never, ever, ever have expected to be there. I'm a type A guy. I work hard. I sleep very little. Uh, I care a lot about what I'm doing. And yet, and yet I now have at my center, because of my following of the risen Christ, I now have this core of stillness and calm that is really a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it makes all of life more beautiful. I recommend it highly. You know, it's a, it's a good payoff for following. I am not, I do not call myself a Christian because I follow you. 
That, I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. But it sort of led me, but all these letters led me to think about a broader political question, which is, what do you want? What do you want when you write to me and you say these things? Obviously, and, and Father Michael certainly wouldn't want this, you do not want to go back to a time when gay people were persecuted, which they were in my lifetime. In my lifetime, a police officer could walk into a bar, wait until a gay, a gay bar, wait until a gay person solicited him and then arrest him. For what? For being gay. That's what he could do. He could do that. And that was legal. I don't think anybody really wants to go back to that time, or do they? I don't know. I'm not, you know, this is the question. But the question of what we want as conservatives always concerns me because I know, I know what we don't like, of course. I always hear a lot about what conservatives hate, you know. And some of it doesn't make any sense. So, like, we don't like government, but we don't want our entitlements to be taken away. We want other people's entitlements to be taken away, but not ours. You know, we want there to be Medicare. We want there to be Social Security. We have bought into what was once a radical left idea that the government should take money away from one person and give it to another. Now, I, I am I am a very, very practical person. I, you know, this is what drives people mad. There is no good principle, no good principle by which you can steal money from one person and give it to another. And just because you happen to be the government doesn't give you any more right to do that than if you had a gun and you did, you know, you were Robin Hood. It does not give you the right to do it. And always remember, as Stephen Crowder uh, taught me, that Robin Hood was stealing from the people who were collecting the taxes. That's why the people were poor, because they were collecting taxes. But anyway, uh, there's no good reason to do it. However, I'm a practical person, and I see that social spending really does make life better in the country for everybody, and it preserves my principles. Without some social spending, I do not believe that people would tolerate freedom for very long. I believe that social spending is how you keep people uh, tolerating the inequalities of freedom so they don't fall completely into the uh, realm of poverty. So I violate my principles for practical reasons, to keep my principles as alive as I can keep them alive. That's, that is what I call being a practical person. But I hear you know, conservatives don't like political correctness. But then we are always making the argument that we're the more politically correct. We always say, well, our, our women are more empowered than feminist women. Uh, we treat people without regard to color. You're just uh, extending racism through identity politics. So we're actually arguing on the terms of the left. And so I ask myself, what do we want? Do we want a world uh, where black people are treated exactly equal to white people, uh, even if it means that the old inequalities remain? What do we want? And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, what do we want? And I know we hate the uh, illegals coming over the borders, but why? You know, we're accused of not liking brown people. I, I, I don't like this because I believe in the rule of law. My feeling is, hey, we, if we need people coming over the border, I don't care what color Americans are. You know, I do not care, but I want them to be obeying the law. And if we have a law and you pass the law to have somebody like our governor in California saying, oh, yeah, we're just not going to enforce that. To me, that is vastly shameful. That is deeply shameful because what you are saying is you are king. You don't have to obey the law. Uh, you know, everybody else. Is. So we've got, you know, Paul Ryan is retiring. Here's a good example. Paul Ryan is retiring, and all I hear, I'm getting this note again and again. I was, what a, a rhino, you know, he's a rhino, he's a Republican in name only. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's, it's Paul Ryan who has fought to cut entitlements. It's Paul Ryan uh, who has tried to make the government smaller. Trump has done this in some ways with a, a, with judge, by appointing judges who will obey the Constitution. Trump has done it in some ways by cutting back regulations. But Trump has sworn to preserve these entitlements because his voters, theoretically conservative voters, they do not want those entitlements to go away. And so he said, I will not touch them. As I said yesterday, I think you could touch them, uh, you know, just 
fix them a little bit, dial them a little bit as as Ryan wanted to do. Um, and, and Ryan takes these shots. Ben Shapiro today, he made a great point. He said, Paul Ryan gets blamed for a lot of stuff that be, should be heaped at the feet of Mitch McConnell. And I believe that is absolutely true. Ryan got a lot of conservative bills passed in the House that went to the Senate where they died the death. And that was Mitch McConnell. And Ryan got blamed for it. I think Ryan has been a moderate guy. The one thing is he has been very loosey-goosey on immigration. And I don't think people like Paul Ryan understood how offensive that is to people. It's, you know, it's it's, uh, emotionally offensive that um, it's emotionally offensive to have the government say to you, yeah, we're not obeying the law. We're not, we're the government. We passed the laws. We're not obeying them. You know, that's, that is just emotionally offensive. If they could have done some kind of reform, it's also just incredibly shameful that both sides can't do anything. All right. So Ryan was on TV with, uh, CBS's Gail King and Gail King. I just want to play this a little bit and I'll get back to exactly the question I want to ask you in a minute, uh, or in a few minutes, but, but Ryan was on and Gail King is trying to get him to dis. Donald Trump, because it was really obvious that Paul Ryan, the civil Midwestern nice guy who's trying to get along, trying to, you know, get the government to work, who's trying to build up the Republican Party uh, while maintaining its base. He was not getting along well and did not like Donald Trump sometime during the campaign. I think it was after the uh, sex tape came out. The, uh, you know, I like to grab it. If if you're a star, women will let you grab you tape came out that Ryan kind of just said, I'm walking away from this guy. I won't support him. But since Trump has come in, he, they've w- learned to work together. So Gail King is trying to get him to diss Donald Trump. Here's the first, uh, yeah, the first Paul Ryan cut, cut six. Uh, with respect to the president, look, I always act in a way that I think is in the best interest of the country to move us forward. And I've always found, especially with my relationship with the president, we have a very good, very candid dialogue. And I find it's better to talk to the president instead of talk about the president on the on the TV, on media. Mm-hmm. So I find that I, I have a much more effective relationship with him by having personal dialogues with him than going out and wailing on him on TV. That, that, that may score points and may make people happy, but I don't see how it gets things done. So more importantly, we have advanced a very impressive agenda. We ran on an agenda in 2016. We won the election and we've been executing it ever since. And I'm very proud of that fact. So I'm very proud of the accomplishments. But it really is a phase of life. If 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 my mentor, Jack Kemp, was still around and was president today, I'd still be going home. So I believe him. Uh, Ryan has young kids at home. I think he actually wants to be with his young kids. And then he went on to talk about the accomplishments, certainly the tax. Well, let, let him do it. Play second. Uh, the second one. Obviously, we've had our differences and we have disagreed privately and publicly. And that, that is the way is, but I really do believe that that I've been doing things that are in the best interest of the country to move it forward. Did he make and like it I said, I think having a kind of dialogue, no, actually hasn't. I, he didn't make job. it difficult for me. He he gave us the ability to get historic things in law that we've been trying to get for a generation. That's not making things difficult. That's actually facilitating real reform that, by the way, the economy is growing now. Wages are going up. People are getting bonuses. People are getting back to work. We are now on the cusp of pulling more people out of poverty into the workforce because he won the election and gave us the ability to get these great policies into place. Now, obviously, uh, Ryan did not accomplish the main thing he wanted to do, which was get spending under control and get entitlement reform. So he did not do that. And he's being very upbeat. And that's great. But, you know, I, I think that um, 
I think that that was really a pain, you know, painful for him. And it was, it's painful to me to watch conservatives who should care a lot about that stuff. They should care a lot about it because those are the things that compromise your freedom, the overspending of the government, the overreach of the government, the government's ability to reach into everything you do. Remember, nothing's free. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Every dollar the government gives you gives them a dollar's worth of control in your life. So when they give you health care, they suddenly can say, yeah, you shouldn't smoke. You know, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that because we're paying for it. Everything, just like your your mom and dad, you know, if your mom and dad are paying, they get to say what you do. If the government treats you like that, then they get to say what, you, what they do. That's why the other day when Michelle Obama said that Barack Obama was the good parent, you know, I thought like, yeah, I don't want him to be my parent. If I wanted him to be my parent, believe me, I'd go live at his house. You know, I just want him to run the government and leave me alone. But the final question that Gail uh, um, King, is it Gail King? Yeah, Gail King asked, uh, deeply offended me, and it showed why Republicans can't lose touch with their base, because their base is angry and their base feels left out and their base feels hard done by by a media that is constantly hammering them for believing in things that Americans are supposed to believe in. So here's Gail King's final question. She shows them a picture of Trump and the basic, the top of people in the government, and they're all old white men. Because, you know, when I look at that picture, Mr. Speaker, I have to say, I don't see anybody that looks like me in terms of color or gender. And you were one of the main people that said you want to do more for the Republican Party to expand. You wanted to expand the base. Some say this president really doesn't want to expand the base. So when I look at that picture, I have to say, I don't feel very celebratory. I feel very excluded. I don't like the fact that you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need more minorities, more women in our party. And I've been focusing on that kind of recruitment. The, the person who I'm a mentor to, uh, literally, technically, I, I became a mentor is Mia Love. She's somebody I recruited in a primary to come to Congress. There are a lot of candidates like Mia that we're recruiting all around the country because I do believe that. And that's something I'm going to keep working on. That's something I'm not going away from, from, from life. I'm going to keep being involved in focusing on inclusive, aspirational politics. Now, I... You know, of course, of course, we want people like Mia Love, obviously, in in Congress. She's great. But I would have liked it if Ryan had said, you know, you're not excluded if you don't, if there doesn't happen to be someone in there who looks like you. You're excluded if someone who looks like you can't get in. And obviously, that is not the case in this country, and it's not the case in the Republican Party. You're not excluded. You know, it would be like me looking at a, you know, a group of people who were Asian or black or whatever and saying, oh, I'm excluded. I'm not excluded. They just happen to be gathering together. Now, because of the history of this country, I would have understood it if she had asked him a question, is the Republican Party too white? And then he could have given that answer. But there's something about this. Uh, you know, I don't feel celebratory. I feel excluded. You know, he should have said to her, you know, black people are doing better right now than they ever did under Barack Obama. They're doing better economically right now, better in employment right now than they ever did under Barack Obama. Doesn't that count for anything? Doesn't that mean anything? I mean, you're not excluded if you can get in. All right. So what do I want? All right. And this is this is a something I think it's really difficult to put into words because it's so easy to oppose things, so easy to attack things. But what I want is freedom. I want to be left alone. But but I want freedom for a specific purpose. OK, so freedom means certain things have to happen. It means the government has to protect me from other people, has to protect me from those who would restrain me, who would attack me, who would hurt me, who would steal from me, who would steal my property. And at the same time, government has to not do those things itself. It has to not come into my land and tell me I can't prune my trees. It has to not tell me I can't, uh, you know, um, wash my hands because my sink has been declared a public waterway. It has to like stay as far 
far away from me as it can without allowing me to help other to hurt other people. Okay, so that's so that's important. But it also means something else. It means that people have to be trained to respect freedom and the and the mechanisms that maintain freedom. And that is what I feel has gone away from the world. And that's why I hammer so much on the narrative on the left-wing press, on the left-wing academy, on left-wing Hollywood, on all the things that are telling our stories. You know, in, uh, in Plato's Republic, in Plato's Republic, he famously says, uh, Socrates is talking about how you form the perfect republic. And he famously says, you know, the guardians have to be trained. And when, when they're children, what he, one of the things you have to do is train them by telling them good stories, stories that teach them good lessons. That's how you train children, by telling them stories with good morals. And he then proceeds to ban from the perfect republic some of the greatest writers of all time, including Homer and all the poets, basically, basically saying that all the imaginative things that these people bring to the world uh, are, are not right because they're showing the gods as human. They're showing the gods having fights. The children should not be taught that gods are imperfect. They should only be taught, take, taught that gods do what's right. I feel really differently about this. I feel that I want people to be trained in freedom, and in order to be trained, trained in freedom, they have to hear that great men and great women, too, have stood on either side and have made different arguments and have told all kinds of stories. Now, obviously, what you tell children are the simplest stories and the simplest ideas, but you have to understand that good people disagree. And this is the thing that I think is so offensively draining out of our society, the idea that somebody on the opposite side from me might be, might possibly be, as decent a human being as I am. Now, okay, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking there is no one who's as decent a human being as I am, fair enough. But I think that they might be almost as decent a human being as I am. And this, this whole thing on the left of dividing people into their colors, dividing people into what they look like, uh, has become censorious and absurd. Recently, a comedian, uh, Hari Kandabalu, his name is, put out a, is making a documentary about how much he hates the character Apu on The Simpsons. He's the, he runs the deli, right? He's like the Indian guy who runs the deli. Uh, and, um, it, well, let's, let's take a, uh, here's a brief look at a promo for this documentary. I hate Apu. I hate Apu. And, and because of that, I dislike The Simpsons. The whole series. Yeah. I love The Simpsons because you hate yourself. My name is Hari Kondabolu. I've had a great career filled with laughter, critical acclaim. I should be completely happy, but there's still one man who haunts me, Apu Nahasapima Petalon. Please pay for your purchases and get out and come again. How many of you had to deal with being called Apu or that being referenced? The Simpsons, stereotypes, all races. The problem is, we didn't have any other representation. Cabby, 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 deli, deli, deli. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor. You know that a white guy does the voice? Huh? A white guy doing an impression of a white guy making fun of my father. How do you feel about that? Oh, I'm making a movie about how much I dislike it. Right away, they were like, can you do an Indian voice? And how offensive can you make it? I would immediately begin to talk this way. It's like, it's not tremendously accurate. It's a little uh, stereotype. Like, that's all right. So 
That, that's Hank Azaria who does the voice. Hank Azaria, let me tell you something about Hank Azaria, okay? Hank, my, my father was one of the best voice men in the business. He did some of the best voices I have ever heard. And my father could walk into, seriously, in Italy, he could walk into a store and do double talk Italian. Italian that meant absolutely nothing and, they, and make the people think that they understood what he was saying. He was one of the most amazing voice talents who ever lived. When I first heard Hank Azaria, I thought that this guy is one of the greatest voice people ever. And in fact, when I was on set once uh, doing a meeting, they told me that he was in his trailer and I said, I would love to meet Hank Azaria because I just wanted to tell him that he was one of the great voice men ever. And I was so uh, overwhelmed because I admired his talent so much uh, that I actually kind of fumbled the ball and didn't actually say what I wanted. You know, I told him that I was a fan, but I didn't tell him what I wanted to tell him. But anyway, Azaria is a terrific voice talent. The idea that he should not be allowed to do the voice of other people from other cultures is absolute madness. It is absolute madness. The idea that he should not be able to use his talent to make fun of Indian people or Jewish people or black people or white people or everybody, all kinds of people, is just uh, absurd. And it's this kind of censorious idea that is, it is Plato's Republic. It is this fascist idea that you are going to train our minds in the ways you want us to think. And the ways they want us to think are racist and sexist. The ways they want us to think are to divide each other according to our races and sexes and say, oh yeah, I can make fun about, of white people. I can make fun of dumb blondes. But no, you can't make fun of a, 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 an Indian deli owner. That is absolutely absurd. The Simpsons, to their credit, well, sort of to their credit, actually responded to the uh, documentary. And we're going to talk to Owen Benjamin. Owen Benjamin is going to be here in just a couple minutes, and we're going to talk to him about this too, because he, of course, has suffered as much uh, censorship as just about anybody. But they had this, um, this scene where the mom in The Simpsons sits down. What's her name? Do you remember her Marge. name? Marge. Marge, right. Yeah, very good. Marge. <laughs> That's what, you know, cartoon characters for 50 art. Uh, <laughs> Marge sits down to read a story, but she's had to edit the fairy story to make it politically correct. Okay, here's a new version of The Princess in the Garden. <sighs> Mom, you're exhausted. It takes a lot of work to take the spirit and character out of a book, but now it's as inoffensive as a Sunday in Cincinnati. Once there was a cisgender girl named Clara. She lived in South America fighting for wild horse rescue. <laughs> and net neutrality. This new Clara sounds like she starts out pretty perfect. You betcha. But since she's already evolved, she doesn't really have an emotional journey to complete. Nope. Kinda means there's no point to the book. Well, what am I supposed to do? It's hard to say. Something that started decades ago and was applauded and inoffensive is now politically incorrect. What can you do? Some things will be dealt with at a later date. If at all. <laughs> so this this was a kind of a way of saying buzz off in a, in a way. I hope it was, but it also kind of accepted the premises of what the guy is saying. And I don't accept those premises at all. I want a country in which everybody has a voice. Everybody can say whatever they want. I'd like, I, sure, would I like the conversation to be more civil? Yes, but should people be able to make any joke they want, make any point they want? I. Absolutely. And that, to me, is defending freedom. It defends freedom when we listen to one another civilly. It defends freedom when people are not silenced. And I think the thing that has bothered me most of all in these last 20 years has been the silencing of dissident voices. And I do not think that Plato, you know, I, I, thought, I think that Plato is wrong that in order to teach 
uh, us how to be free, we have to only tell stories that we approve of. I think we only have to tell stories that demonstrate, that demonstrate how free we are, that we can tell almost any story uh, and, and get along and talk about it and d- debate it and not silence it. All right, so here's my question for you. Three sentences, three sentences, no more than that. Do not send me a book because I want to actually read your responses. Send me three sentences. What do you want? Not, not what do you oppose, not what do you oppose, but what do you want? Do you want, you know, more res- legal restrictions on gay people or do you just not want them to be recognized uh, by the church or do you just not want them to be on TV or what? Do you want uh, less government? And when you say less government, is there some way that you're receiving government uh, funds that you are willing to get rid of in order to have there be uh, less government? Do you want uh, to to go back to a world in which we can make racial jokes. I do. I'm, I'm happy to make racial, joke, racial jokes. You know, I'm happy to make sexist jokes. I think they're funny. I think they dispel hostility. I think they remind us that we're all kind of silly and stupid. You know, I mean, I think that it, it's just amazing to me that, you know, we have to listen to feminists tell us that women are as rational as men in those high, screechy, crazy voices with their eyeballs running around. So that you have to say, Okay, while you quietly back away, you know, I, mean, I want to be able to make whatever jokes I want. You know, what what is it if you could have to pick three things that are positive things that you want for America? You know, what I want is to be left alone. What I want is to is the culture schooled in what it means to be left alone and why we do the things the, the way we do. And I want a free and open culture where everybody is represented, not just the left in TV, not just the left in Academy, not just the left in Hollywood. I want everybody represented presented speaking their mind. So that's what I want. What do you want? A Claven at dailywire.com. A Claven at dailywire.com. You don't have to subscribe. Just send me your answers and we will get to them next week. All right. Owen Benjamin is about to come on and normally we break here and only uh, allow subscribers to listen. We are going to let uh, non-subscribers listen in, but but we have to break uh, to bring Owen in. So in while we're breaking, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, go on over to thedailywire.com and subscribe, right? For a lousy 10 bucks a month and for a lousy 100 bucks, you get the whole year and you get the famous, now famous, Leftist Tears Tumblr in which your Leftist Tears will be hot or cold. Any way you like them, we'll be right back. All right, Owen Benjamin is with us, stand-up comedian, actor, podcast host, pianist, a large pianist, big pianist. Huge right? pianist. <laughs> never afraid to say, he's never afraid to share his unique perspective, it says on this sheet, and it's gotten you banned from every, this is the I'm, only I'm, place in, in California where you're now allowed to be, right? I think I, they just passed a law where I'm banned from this room. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm permanently banned from Twitter, it's hilarious. But look, Farrakhan isn't, but I am. Oh, well, Farrakhan. You mean uh, Brother Farrakhan or Rev- yeah. Reverend just, Farrakhan. Just preaching love. So what happened? What did you do? What did you do now? It was uh, David Hogg. I, I said that someone who, uh, you know, doesn't, uh, I was, you know, it's not even a bad word. You could say it on whatever. But I said someone who doesn't have uh, pubes can't tell a grown man whether or not he can own a gun or not. So Fair enough. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, to me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. And it's like to that, I got this shame mob. They kicked me off. It kicked off my backup account. I had Owen Bergeman, tee hee, <laughs> And they got to that too. And then I got a strike on YouTube so I couldn't live stream anymore. All in one night, just this big. Who is, who is the mob? Antifa and Nambla and all these just disgusting human beings. Wait, Nambla is the boy love. The man boy stuff, yeah. Man boy love. So pedophiles got you kicked off. Dude, pedophiles have like lobbyists now. 
Wait, this is this is wonderful. What this is pedophiles yeah. say, said this man is dangerous because he made a joke against. Yeah, because that was uh, I had Jordan Peterson on my uh, on my show, and we were talking about whether or not pedophiles deserve free speech, and I, I'm torn up about it because I'm a free speech absolutist, sure, but at the same too. time, it drives me insane. And we were like working out how to deal with that. And uh, when I stood up for the uh, against trans children with the hormone blockers and yeah. stuff. Yeah. It attracted a lot of uh, people to me that that want to protect kids. And right. so that also attracted a lot of pedophiles to me that hate me. And so um, they they are like proud now. Like Vice even does articles. Salon does articles where it's like, I'm a pedophile, not a monster. Their whole thing is- No, if, wait, wait. This is real. No, if you're a pedophile, you are a monster. I you, mean, if it's you're an the definition pedophile. of a monster. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm friends with people who've killed people, and I can still be friends with them. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, yeah, someone yeah. stole their bike. I was kidding, <laughs> but uh, but anybody who hurts a kid, there's you, yeah. like you know that there's no uh, coming back from that. If there's an intentional hurting of a child, and and that's the newest part of the normalization process, where it's like minor attracted people. That's what they call themselves. Minor attracted people. Y- yeah, maps or something. It's like I'm, not, I'm, I'm dead serious. <laughs> And so I do a bit now about LGBTQAI and how it's st- like it started with the L's and then just kept getting crazier and how the L's are now like we should have just knitted sweaters because um, because the whole the whole thing is based on no discrimination and your whole life has to be discrimination. Of course, you're discriminating. Like I only have sex with one woman. It's my wife. That's called discrimination. I don't eat this because it's not a banana. That's discrimination. So it's like you, if you let everyone in the party, you let everyone in the party. And, so, and, you know, it, it went to the L's, to the G's, and then the B's took a turn when it's, you don't know if you can go camping with those guys. You know, you're like, you guys are, are down with anyone? They're like, anyone. You're like, this is getting intense. And then the T's brought in postmodernism, and now you got the P's. So is there, is there a limit to it? I saw you do a routine. Uh, it actually wasn't even a comedy routine. It was actually a discussion about the N-word. Yeah, yeah. Is, there, is there a limit? Is there a danger that guys, that people on the right, when they take the red pill, when they see that we're being silenced, when they see that yeah. the silence is in is in service to a political point of view, it's not just silencing people to be right. polite. Right, it's right, not right. not just saying don't say that it's exactly. a dirty word. It's in service of a political point of view. Is there a danger you go too far in the other direction? You start yeah, to stop absolutely, things? yeah, and that's why I, I I took a lot of um, care to never say anything racist, and I don't use that word in my life. And I will say n word on your show because we're friends and I respect you. But when you're going after the multi-headed hydra, you got to go for the heart. And so that's the most taboo word there is. And so I got fascinated by it. Like, why? It's such an archaic, silly word. It almost says more about the speaker of the word than the person. It's, it makes you sound like an ignorant person. Right. And so, I mean, that brings me down the, the road of the rhetorical conspiracy theory of the welfare state and how we have to continuously reinforce that black people by nature are victims. Therefore, we can rob trillions of dollars from our people. Right. And, and I got fascinated by it. And so, yeah, I do. I don't want to be defined by the pe- the crazy people who hate me. And you have a great point about going too far the other direction. But that's why I made sure I never use that word in my personal life. And I don't say anything racist. Right. It's just like saying N-word. I saw this, this meme that blew my mind because it said, if we take uh, the N-word out of To Kill a Mockingbird, what happens to rap lyrics. And the thing that blew my mind was that they said N-word in an anti-censorship meme. And that was this weird manipulation because my mom teaches To Kill a Mockingbird and, and, and uh, Huck Finn and a lot of these things that are now being censored. Like they're taking yep. words right I, out. I know, I know. Yeah. And so I'm like, what does that say that people are, are, are complying to this even in a meme about censorship? So 
I just went for it. Because as George Carlin says, um, political correctness is fascism disguised as politeness. That's right. That's yeah. right. It's, it's hijacking our system of manners, basically. Yeah. What about, I mean, <laughs> Christopher Hitchens wrote a piece when he said that women are not, in which he said women are not as funny as men. I agree with that uh, in general, but there's exceptions. And the feminists were like, that's not funny. You know, that, right. <laughs> they proved his point immediately. They proved the point immediately. <laughs> so the feminists come after you because you do a couple of bits. You, d- you have a song that has every, it's every man's relationship that, that actually made me cry. I mean, it made me laugh so hard I was crying. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, that's the irony of my career. My main thing is men and women stuff. Sure. Like, I don't, I don't like this, this crazy PC turn it took. Yeah. But um, I was obligated to do it because I wasn't allowed to do men and women or different stuff. And you can ignore politics, but politics won't ignore you, you know? Right. And so, um, uh, what was the original question? The, the original question, the feminists come after oh, you. Yeah, what, yeah. What oh, yeah. Yeah, at first, and then they just got exhausted. <laughs> you know, and my wife is so, um, she's almost, I didn't even realize how much kryptonite she has to feminists because she's half Hispanic. She has her master's in engineering and she's a stay at home mom and she's hilarious and very supportive of me. <laughs> so it's just this crazy. She has set this country back 20 years. I know. She, by herself. she, she was an engineer, chose to be a stay at home mom, fortunately, because I, I can work enough and hopefully not get banned by too many more platforms. <laughs> but, um. And just the love we have for each other that it's just so hard to, to come at her and me now because I don't have that weakness of being a womanizer or any of that stuff that makes it so easy for feminists to put you in that hole. And I don't have that. Right. So it's, um, they can try, but they just sound silly. And they're so far gone at this point. Like the wage gap has been disproven by MIT. That doesn't matter. Yeah, we still have to have a wage, equal wage day. We what about equal day. death? <laughs> you know, like my brother's a lumberjack. Yeah. 97% of, of work-related deaths are male. Like when are we going to close that gap? <laughs> Want to get into underwater welding, ladies? <laughs> Come on, lay some bricks. <laughs> so how bad, do you still tour? Yeah, it's been, it's, it's, it's oddly been good for my career. It's almost like, when you don't kneel and you you face the swarm and you think, okay, I'm going to now be a, an arborist. Like, for real, I still do tree work with my brother just so I know that they can't take it. That you can me. make a living, you mean? Yeah. Trees are going to keep growing no matter how many people go to Yale. <laughs> so when you when you go on the road, do you face, you know, actual... Like, no, protest? it's no. all online. It's all online. Oh, my crowd is so nice, too. It's like all these clubs and theaters, whenever it's over, they're like... Your audience is so kind. Yeah. And they're like family people and there's no protesting. It's like, it's all this, this crazy online vitriol that comes from people that I honestly think they start, they now hate joy. Like someone who's like, oh, I love my family. I'm so honored to do that. They're like, you like David Hogg's pubes. And you're like, what? It's like, knock, knock. They're like, home invasion statistics. And you're like, you're, you're, you're being a buzzkill on purpose. You know? And, it, it's, and I, I believe that there is privilege in the world, but it comes from having married parents and stuff. Like, I was raised well. That's right. That's right. And so as, ma- as much as our families have been through a lot, at least they, they were married. And that's, I do have a, 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 a leg up in life. And that's why. Because yeah. my parents had a, a stable home, so that I could learn how to deal with chaos in the world. It's not because I'm white, you know. Do you think? Do you think this is getting better or worse? I was just before you came. Way in, worse. It's getting worse. It's like exponential. I, I now look at stuff I did on Comedy Central in 2014, and I would be literally labeled a just. It's just it doesn't end. Yeah. They're saying trees are racist. I'm sorry, I haven't. No, heard. there's a whole thing going now, and because my brother loves trees, and yeah. and people now are sending me all these pictures where it's like they'll show these beautiful southern trees, 
And people are like, you shouldn't do that. It's associated with lynchings. <laughs> no, you're joking. Oh, I'm dead serious. Yeah. There's now height privilege? I'm, I'm dead serious. <laughs> you're really tall. I mean, I I'm 6'7", and I'm yeah. telling you, there isn't, there's height privilege at six feet. Uh, yeah. Six, seven, you're not a lot on roller coasters. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of oppression. You know, you go into a whole oppression. That's yeah, right. you go into old folks' home, you see no one my height. <laughs> so apparently we don't make uh, make it too far. But, uh, you know, and our circulation isn't. I hit my foot with an axe not that long ago, oh. and I didn't even feel it because it's so far away so from far. my brain. <laughs> In about two weeks, you'll feel, feel it. It'll get yeah. the, the message will get there. I breastfed too long. <laughs> so, but, but these are people, these people... Are, are they on the outskirts? Do you think I they're, mean, they're socialists? So, the stuff they're saying is so crazy. But do they have? Do they? You think they have real? Power? Yeah, because they they oddly uh, go along with expanding government, right? Where it's like they're trying their their children trying to give power to their father <laughs> that wants to kill them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's 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 these people. The reason that they have power. The reason Antifa wasn't. I've seen Antifa strangle a guy almost to death. I know, beat the hell out of people with sticks. Yeah, yeah and it's like, no, in person I saw that once. Yeah. And um, it, and it wasn't at one of my events, but it was crazy. And and to see these Don Lemon characters right out of the Hunger Games, you know, just this, hello. <laughs> and uh, to see them not address that and just keep talking about Charlottesville is horrifying, but a, a schizophrenic hit a lady with a car. You know, that's awful, obviously, but so is corn syrup, you know? And it's like, uh, and, and to see Antifa, to see like Tina Fey and these people be like, yeah, they fight fascists like your grandparents fought the fascists. And you're like, yeah. what? That's <laughs> like, my grandparents weren't wearing black masks. No, you know you're the bad guy when you have to wear a mask. And when you have to wear a mask, that's always a giveaway. It's the same I with know. the SS. Yeah. I used to do a bit about that where it's like Franz. It's like, hey, Franz, why are we wearing skulls on our lapels? You think we may be the bad guys? <laughs> Was that you? Was that your bit? I, I stopped doing the bit because I realized a British guy had done it in the 80s. Oh, but oh. it was obscure. It was totally obscure. But I'm such a, I'm, I'm pretty pure with that stuff. So yeah, I'm like, I, I, had to, I had to bail on it, even though it was awesome. Do you ever, do you ever associate at all with left-wing comedians or liberal comedians? Yeah, they're, a lot of, uh, they're women sometimes. Because I think leftism goes a lot better with being a woman. Because it's it's how you take care of a toddler, and it, I'm dead serious. It like goes with their nature, yeah, where it's yeah. like no one's wrong, everyone's safe. Like any threat's bad. Like that's and and men, it, it's more about fairness and rules and work. Right. Where it's like if you break the rules, you're out because then we'll get trampled by an elephant. You know, it, it is true, and, and men care about truth a lot more. That, that you're actually telling the truth. That I, I think women women are like on another plane about this. It, it, I'm telling you, I, I used to do a bit. <laughs> but it's just, some of my bits are just fat. I, I don't even know if they're jokes anymore. <laughs> it's uh, how uh, men are capitalists and women are uh, communists, where it's like women, like if they're out in a group, the, the one having the worst time sets the tone for the whole group. Like five of them are having a blast and Tina's like, oh my God, Brian's here with a new girl. And all the other girls are like, we got to get out of here. Tina's sad. And then the worst <laughs> dictates and men are the opposite, where if one guy's like, I'm sad, it's like, get out of here. <laughs> and, but the opposite is true, where like men reward Greatness, where it's like, oh, he's really smart. Let's give him a desk and a microphone. That's awesome. I, he's the fastest. Make him captain. Women are like, she's the prettiest. Tell everybody she has herpes. <laughs> you know, and it's like the, the tallest nail gets hammered down. I think it is a male-female thing. And I think that's one reason why there's all this rhetoric against males, especially white males, because they always vote for a smaller government. So you're actually saying that women should not be allowed to vote. I mean, that's yes. basically where we're going with it. Well, this. if they, okay. they want to uh, do bucket work, remember, what was that called? The bucket... Like back in the day, like when women, when it first happened, a lot of women didn't want to vote. This is funny. I obviously think women should vote. 
I mean, I don't think you, you should actually go do it, though, because you make horrifying <laughs> decisions. But uh, you get drafted if you voted, and you also had to be part of, like, the anti-fire brigade. Like, you had oh, to do right, bucket buckets, duty. Yeah, yeah. And all these women were like, no, we don't want to vote. It's all these dumb games. If we had only listened, if we had only listened to those women. I know. I do a, I do a bit about it, but I, I need a piano. <laughs> well, so I, I'm out of time. I'm unfortunate. I could talk to you forever, man. I know. This I, is a blast. <laughs> really funny. What, what, what are you going to do now? I mean, first of all, are you ever going to get back on Twitter? No. No, you're done. No, I'm done with so that now noise. now you have a lot more time in your day. Well, well actually, I have someone... Um, do at Owen comedy and I never touch it. So they can't, cause they know my IP address. Anytime I, I even try, I'm out. Really? Yeah. And so, uh, and let's just say she's from a country that, uh, isn't very intimidatable Israel. <laughs> and, uh, and so that, but that's nothing. You can find me at uh, patreon.com slash WDTL because even if it's a dollar a month, they won't shut it down because trolls don't pay ever. Like even if it's $1 that separates everything. It's like all the trolls go to that. And also uh, hugepianist.com and vimeo.com slash Owen Benjamin uh, for morning streams, live streams with the unbearables. Vim- Vimeo should get a lot more credit. They I let, love Vimeo. They, they let everybody on. I mean, why don't they get more cred for this? Uh, because they're in New York and not San Francisco and they're not riddled with soybeans. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Owen Benjamin, thank you for coming uh, in. I appreciate it. It's great to see you. And I hope you'll come back. That's it. The Clavenless Weekend is upon us. Survivors gather here on Monday. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. My head is stuck in the clouds. She begs me to come down, says boy, quit fooling around. I told her I love the view from up here. Warm sun and wind in my ear will watch the world from above as it turns to the rhythm of love. We may only have tonight, but till the morning sun, you're mine, all mine. Play the music low and sway to the rhythm of love. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. And their animations are by Cynthia Angulo and Jacob Jackson. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire forward publishing production. Copyright forward publishing 2018.